This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode features an interview with Leslie Tom, Senior Vice President of App Exchange Marketing and Programs at Salesforce. Leslie has more than 20 years of experience in marketing and has held marketing roles for tech luminaries like Salesforce, Oracle, and Siebel Systems. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Leslie talks about partner marketing and how to market an ecosystem. She also talks about her best marketing advice, the top technology trends she's watching, and much more. A big thank you to Leslie for coming on the show. She's really great and brings an awesome perspective. And so with that, please enjoy this interview with Leslie Tom. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And to my right, at the almost the top of Salesforce Tower, almost. So Lauren, close. Lauren Vaccarello, what's going on? Not much. I'm so excited to be here. It's so much fun to be in Salesforce Tower and with one of the most incredible marketers in all of Salesforce. And and, and you two are thick as thieves. Leslie, how are you? I'm doing well, Ian. And Lauren, so good to see you oh, it's back so at Salesforce. You. you may need to come back at some point. I, <laughs> I, you know what? I may need to come back here. I, You know what? I ran into someone downstairs and we went, this is such a far cry from Six Pier. The company has just come such a long way in such a short time. It's so exciting. They might not let you leave the building. Um, So today we are going to be talking about Leslie's career. We're going to be talking about partner marketing, which is something we haven't really touched on yet on the show. We're going to talk about marketing uh, for App Exchange and kind of how that plays into you know, marketing marketplaces, which is something that a lot of our listeners have maybe not been familiar with, but we can go through some of the challenges. But first, how did you get into marketing? Oh, great question. I've always been interested in marketing. I think it's, you know, part of it is, you know, when you think about commercials and looking at that, it's like very much around advertising. But I think I was always interested in that creative aspect of it. I majored in psychology. I um, have a really deep background in statistics. So ironically, the creativity, psychology, and statistics all blend very well into marketing. As most psychology majors. Um, (laughs) It's a big assumption. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, You you dive right right into marketing. So tell me a little bit about App Exchange, what your current role is, um, and the scope of responsibilities. So for App Exchange, I have the amazing opportunity. I have it my dream job. It really is. I know a lot of people say that, but I do have my dream job. I have the opportunity to really run an end-to-end business, working very closely with our AR and PR teams to really talk about the kind of broader message about App Exchange. But I run App, App Exchange uh, partner recruitment, partner enablement, community marketing, which is to customers and partners. I also run product marketing for App Exchange, as well as um, all of the uh, Accelerate program. And the Accelerate program is actually kind of interesting because it's our virtual incubator program. A lot of people don't know that, but we have an incubator program that we 
uh, have a virtual program kind of like Techstars mm-hmm. where we put 15 to 20 partners through a very uh, fast track virtual program. Hmm. And, they, yeah, and they come in from like idea to app exchange listing in about three months. And we get them on their way to making some revenue for both themselves and for Salesforce. Actually, I got to come in and do a mentorship for um, for Accelerate. It's such an incredible program. And the companies that are in there are everything from the, we have this brand new idea to companies that are already valued at a billion dollars. And it's so cool to see the these companies started and were founded in so many ways from Salesforce Accelerate and the amount of growth and the ecosystem that's been created out of Salesforce. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest part, too, about what I love about this. My job, too, is and the marketing that we've been talking about is really that growth and the entrepreneurship and the innovation that comes from these partners. I mean, there is not a day that goes by that you're I'm learning about a new partner that is creating something brand new and innovative, like especially in like these industry spaces and micro verticals. And that's where we've seen a lot of growth of our partners. So for our listeners who might not be familiar, is this similar to the, you know, iPhone app store, but for enterprise businesses? Mm-hmm. Like how would you, how would Very you equate interesting. that? Well, that's actually a great segue to kind of the historical data of AppExchange because, you know, AppExchange was built uh, just a few years, even before the app, app store, Apple app store. And as a lot of people know, Mark gave the uh, URL of App Store to Steve Jobs, uh, you know, a couple of years later. But we started in about 2005 when the App Exchange was built. We launched in January of 2006, so we've been around for 13 years. Jeez. It's a long time, and so we. I think we were Your really the starting, <laughs> yeah, the starting point for a cloud marketplace. And we are, you know, with Forrester did a SaaS marketplace study, and we were the leaders in that. And so we have to try to maintain that leadership, of course. But I think the idea around app exchange and the entire marketplace is that we kind of are the Apple app store in that sense. You know, we started basically though, kind of like as a directory. And then we grew Mm -hmm. to more of a like website where people were browsing and looking at apps. And then we became more of a marketplace when we really started the monetization of app exchange, you know, for partners, uh, because a lot of things were free before. And then we started a monetization strategy, both from a product standpoint and a marketing perspective. And that's yeah. where I have had a lot of fun building that that piece of it. How much money is transacted on the app exchange like in a given year? Ooh, that's a great question. I actually really can't say oh, how much yeah. there is uh, transacted from, on app exchange, but we do have uh, a stat of 48% a year-over-year growth for our partners that come in on the app exchange as wow. a whole. So it is... You know, it's a high growth piece of our business. You know, I think App Exchange mm-hmm. as a whole was built because Mark Benioff knew that we couldn't build everything across a customer space. So, of course, we look to our partners to build on our platform and really help us extend Salesforce. In the beginning, of course, we were only kind of Salesforce or sales app extensions. You know, mm-hmm. they were very limited in in that sense. And over the years, of course, we've grown into service, marketing, and now very heavily involved across all verticals. Mm -hmm. But we also have bots, data providers, flows and things like that. A lot of different pieces of code, even like components that our developers can use or customers developers can use to build their own apps. Yeah. And I think it's something that if you're a business 
that is trying to build something from scratch and be out in the market, it's really hard. And to be able to be in a place, you know, we, we, you see the stats all the time of like if a app on Apple's app store, like gets to the top, like if it's like the number one app, like it explodes just mm-hmm. because so many people are on the platform. Well, it's the same sort of thing with app exchange potentially where you have just so many buyers like intent based mm-hmm. buyers that are looking for new things. And, you know, like on, on our IT visionaries podcast, we talk to CIOs all the time that are looking for innovation. They're looking mm-hmm. for technologies mm-hmm. to buy and purchase CMOs the same mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And I think that just like having that ability to be able to buy on there, it was a real game changer because like the directory sort of thing, it's like, and eh, then you got to call people and there's like a whole thing and you got to go into the sales process. <laughs> and it's just a lot more laborious potentially than a place where, you know, one-stop shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you can try and buy you know, we always say, you know, try and buy on, on App Exchange because it provides, you know, whether a one of our customers obviously have a mix of what they want to do, they can buy apps on the App Exchange mm-hmm. to do some things. They might do some low-code custom app development as well, or they might work with a, a systems integrator to do 100% custom app development. So I think it's we try to span everything so that our customers can find the right solutions for their business. So I want to get into the hard part, I think, personally, because I'm so fascinated by this, for how you help them market. Traditionally, founders, a lot of founders are product-centric. A lot of founders don't have marketers on their team, especially in their early days. One of the biggest needs that they have is marketing. Mm -hmm. So how do you, as the the lead marketer of AppExchange, how do you help these companies figure out a way to market themselves? It's a great question. And I think it all starts with having a very clear value proposition. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, what every marketer should have is very clear value proposition, knowing your target market and things like that. For us, we've really helped a lot of our partners because we have, you know, over 20 years or, you know, 20 years of experience at Salesforce, over 13 years with AppExchange and working with partners. And a big part of it is kind of dependent on the app itself, whether you're horizontal or vertical. But, you know, for horizontal apps, we have programs like the AppExchange Marketing Program is what Mm -hmm. we call it. It's called AMP, kind of short acronym for it. And we built this back in 2006 when Mark basically came over and said, I want you to figure out how to monetize this, not just from a an app perspective, but from a marketing perspective. So we started out with really simple advertising. Mm -hmm. And that, I think... um I think it was uh, Best Buy, I think, at the time, which was kind of funny. It's a long time ago, was doing that. And so we were just doing very simple ads, and we ended up working all of our programming into it. So everything from campaigns, retargeting, content development, videos. We do a lot of podcasts, probably more in-studio, like interviews with customers and partners. Yeah. I hear podcasts yeah. are great. Yes, they are. I, heard, I they think they're making a big comeback. You know? yeah. But all of those things, we help our partners and we give them an opportunity to not just view those, but we actually work with our partners to to really help them select and get go to market faster. So we have all that mark, those marketing programs, but we also have free things. So those, what I was talking about with AMP is pay to play, but we have a lot of free things where we really advise our customers on how to ensure that they're, they have a good market fit. Like they can go to our user groups, 
which we mm-hmm. have a lot of, and yes. we have a lot of the big user groups that you probably know it, like Midwest Dreaming's coming up, built by our Salesforce or started by our Salesforce users, and um, our new App Exchange partners can go to there, talk to people about their app, show them demos, and really see if they have great market fit, and like basically test their personas and things like that. What would be your advice for someone who is marketing? like an, something like an app exchange or an ecosystem where you have a business on there that you know is starting to do really well or something like that. You see that the early inklings that like, hey, this product is really solid. And if we accelerate them a little bit, it can really help them like, you know, get pushed into market. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you like, I, and you don't want to like pick winners and losers or, or anything like that. Like, how do you kind of, toe that line? That's a great question, which we do get asked quite often because people say, well, can we just pay you to really promote us in a different way? Or can we get, you know, can you interest your, introduce us to your top sales teams Mm -hmm. and things Mm -hmm. like that? Of course there are, you know, we have some programs around that where we do things like a demo jams Mm -hmm. to our SEs. And that's been phenomenal. We do that once a month with about six partners. Our sales engineers love it because they get a very quick view of it. We do quite a, a lot of that. But your question is really about how we maintain, you know, not equity, but just like equality across, you know, all of our app exchange. So when we look at app exchange ourselves as a product from a product marketing standpoint, we're marketing the app exchange as a whole from yeah. a product standpoint, but we're also talking about the solutions for our customers. So I think, you know, there are clear winners. We have reviews and ratings. We have over 80,000 peer reviews on App Exchange. And I think that's a big part of how our customers kind of decide who are the, maybe the winners and maybe the up and coming winners. Uh, I don't like the term losers, <laughs> but I think they're, you know, because of those peer reviews, I think those help quite a bit in terms of really providing kind of that view for our partners. We don't we try not to get involved because we want to provide an open ecosystem for all of our customers and for more partners to come in and build on our app exchange. And what did you do to sort of get those reviews started? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great question. I think we we started that because of course um I think it was uh eBay and at the time I'm trying to think of what else was out there. Um it was even way before Facebook, but uh, we had all those ratings and reviews and mm-hmm. even Amazon at that time. We just started incenting people and letting them know that there were an, was an opportunity to kind of highlight their app by asking customers for mm-hmm. reviews. And so we started initiating that and we did uh, let people know that the more reviews they had, obviously they would float to the top and they'd be most popular. Yeah. So, of course, a lot of our partners and we and sent that from the very beginning, that's the one thing they should do. Because if they're on the front page and they have no reviews, look silly. So we have the ratings and reviews. And I think both of those things coupled together have really helped partners that are new or apps that are new really get some visibility. And then for, for people just getting started in partner marketing, where do you think they should, how do you think they should start? You mean like our new partners? Uh, so if or, uh, if new marketers want... Oh, new yeah. marketers. That, that's an interesting question. Like um, if your company yeah. is going from, you know, we direct have no... Yeah, we have, yeah, yeah we, direct to indirect. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great... That's a great question. I've never been asked that before, but I think good that's... Job, um, yeah, okay, good job, Yeah, good job. Yeah, and I think, well, 
I, I think that for Salesforce, I mean, that's when I joined, they didn't have partner marketing. They barely had partners. But I think at that time in 2005, a mm-hmm. long time ago, you know, the company was about a thousand people. I think y'all figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> so we were about a thousand people. So, you know, maybe that's, I don't know if that's the right time for, you know, any company, but for Salesforce, that's at the time when we were just saying, oh, we want to build this uh App Exchange, you know, that's going to have partners on it. We had some systems integrators, but only mm-hmm. a handful. And I always tell the story of me talking to one of the big GSIs that we were working with at the time. And I said, oh, what's your SaaS strategy? And they looked at me and said, well, we don't have one yet. <laughs> but at the time, because that and that was only 13 years ago. Yep. You think about it and people were, we were all saying SaaS. Now we all say cloud. But the evolution has been phenomenal because that was not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And look at where we are today. But to get started, I think we, you know, Salesforce realized that we have to grow our ecosystem. And that's when Mark and the person who actually told him about an ecosystem was Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs was um, uh, Mark's mentor. And he said, you know, this directory that you're building is really interesting, but now you have to build an ecosystem. And Mark was like, oh, great. Okay. Mm-hmm. So of course he comes back and says, we've got to build an ecosystem. We're like, what, what is that? What do you mean by that? But it's interesting because the vision that Mark had even back then is obviously very obvious today. That's what's really helped us grow because we knew that we had to go out and recruit as many partners as possible, building apps on our platform to extend Salesforce and to create that channel. So the marketing aspect of it mm-hmm really came in when they realized, okay, we have all these partners, now what? Yeah. How do they? How do customers learn about these partner apps? So that's when I, I was basically had the opportunity to take on that role, had never done it before, had only done marketing. And I thought, how hard can it be? <laughs> but it is actually more challenging because when you think about it, you're not just marketing the product, you have to market the product with a partner to your customers. Yeah. So it's like an extra layer yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a sacred cow in marketing to, like, kind of not build your business. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at, like, all the rise, like, direct-to-consumer brands right now is, like, the exact reason that they want to control the whole, you know, funnel. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's fun. I mean, and you could – I'd be curious to your thoughts, but it's definitely one of the things that I think for startup rules, like, early-stage startup rules, sell direct to your customers is – definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. This is definitely not that. So it's mm-hmm. clearly a later stage yes. function. It's, you know, potentially a, you know, series C or whatever mm-hmm. you want to use or potentially post IPO kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to your, th- your thoughts on that for like, why is the juice worth the squeeze? Mm-hmm. Good Ooh. question. Ooh, I like that. I think, thank you. I think every startup and when we are talking to our startups in the, our, we call them our accelerator partners, it's a very good example because they are just starting out, right? A lot of them are just just have an idea. They have a lot of experience because most of them have come from other companies and built a lot of product. But they we tell them to really think about other channels because it, it can only help you. You know, selling direct, yes, that's good. But as soon as you get your feet under that and you have a great process and momentum, you have to start thinking about partnering. And that's obviously initially with uh, systems integrators that really can help you implement your app. And then, of course, uh, other ISVs. And a big focus of where we're seeing a lot of growth in our own ecosystem, because we had kind of the two tracks. We had systems integrators and then we had ISVs. 
And now we're seeing a lot more collaboration between all of them. So we talk about the connected Salesforce ecosystem Mm -hmm. and we find more and more of our ISVs working together with our systems integrators to go to market together. They're selling together. They're working together across, you know, going into a lot of other joint customers. Well, what does sales enablement look like for that? Because, you know, again, this is one of those situations where it's really hard to get sales enablement right. It's doubly hard or potentially triply hard to get sales enablement right for your sales team and for some other company's sales team, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, that mm-hmm. seems like it's a pretty difficult challenge. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is very interesting. Even starting just with the partner we had, we were working with a very large Fortune 500 company that we were had a partnership with. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we were talking about sales, and enabling their sales teams to sell, you know, in a yeah. subscription model, they were like, we've got it. No worries. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we don't need your help. And then six months later, they came back and you're like, oh, this is a very different process. You know, they were used to selling on-premise yep. product. And then they realized, oh, this is a very different model. So we basically then had someone go on site with them to kind of teach them the ropes of selling in, in this very different way. How do you get partners to be sort of excited and accept that amount of help, especially when you have partners that are also trying to sell their own product and other products? Yeah, I just don't. I, I mean, that's part of the thing, right? It's like the salesperson is going to sell mm-hmm. the thing that is advantageous for them to the sell. The thing sure. that's and, going yeah. to make them make their number the fastest. Yeah, exactly. Yes, of and course. Con- yep. So it's like, hey, congrats. You're going to sell something that's super confusing that you don't understand that you've never sold before. And by the way, you're going to get like a smaller commission check potentially. Like, Or or, or more though, because we also have a bit of rev share. So it's a good point. And I like your lead in. <laughs> but I think there is, you know, for us, it's like um, we do have a structure where we help comp our, our sales reps, you know, if they're selling a partner app that helps our customers, it helps our sales reps. So they're, they're incentivized. They're incented, they're incented a bit, you know, obviously, you know, we tell our, our sales teams know that it's really all about the customers. So whether it's a free app or whether they choose to have a a revenue generating app in their bag, they have to really focus on doing what's right for the customer. But I think that my point was, um, it was really about, you know, how we really incentivize the uh, sales teams, our sales teams in selling partner apps. They will naturally gravitate to some partner apps because they are driving the business. So I don't want to mention any specific partner names, but there are some that are horizontal apps that mm-hmm. just work for every one. And so it's easy. It's not like an it's an easy add on. And many times, uh, a lot of our partners even have relationships that we don't have with specific people within a customer account. Well, so, and that's that's the piece. And Lauren, let me kick this over to you, because I think that this is something that, that you've kind of worked on in your career too, where you have the reason why this could be so advantageous is that they have 100 accounts that they have really strong relationships. You have 1,000 accounts, let's say, that you have strong relationships with and, you know, 85 of those, there's not a lot of crossover. Yeah. So you have a potential to get stickier relationships and and do that. What, what were some best practices that you've seen in your career? Oh, it's a great, great point. Actually, I think back to when I was at Vox, one of the things that was one of the most interesting early, earlier partnerships that we did was actually Vox and Okta. Mm-hmm, and yeah. we looked at it and said, and this was before Okta was public and had sort of completely taken off. Best and of they breed. Were best of breed. And they were the up and comer. It was... 
we have the same target audience. We're both going after CIOs. And it turns out there's not the same level of overlap, but we have the same potential customer. And your customers, the Okta customers, trusted and believed in them very, very deeply. And the Box customers felt the same way. So it was this awesome relationship to say, let's figure out what we can do from a joint marketing perspective. Let's run field marketing events together. Let's figure out how we can do all these co-op programs together where it is Okta plus Box equals this. And this is the work together. And then how we each bring each other's customers in and use that as really good sort of soft lead-ins. And it was one of the the more successful programs that we run. And I honestly think Okta and Box still do a lot together. They do, and, yeah. I mm-hmm. see it all the time. So I interviewed yeah. the CIOs of Okta and Box. And oh, we talk, nice. Yeah, we talked about and that. And we know them because Freddie used to be at Salesforce. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. The community is very, very small. Yes. <laughs> but see, and, and this, is a, this is a really important point, and I'm glad you brought that up, because you have things like best of breed, which is this for those of our listeners who don't know is like, you know, imagine like a mini conglomerate of products that are similar to one another Mm -hmm. in a sense that they're selling into the same place, but they're not competitive with each other. And it's like, Hey, you could go with all of these best of breed products, or you could go with, you know, company X that has a suite of products and, you know, your positioning like, hey, yeah, we're great, but also all of these other ones are great, too. Like yeah. that's a that is like a really strong use case for yeah. uh, when partner marketing goes great. Completely. Yeah, I like that. And if you do the sort of deep level of integrations between everything and the the days of let's pick up the phone, let's call Oracle, let's buy your entire stack aren't necessarily there anymore where you have these great best of breed solutions where it is, I'm going to get Okta for this. I'm going to get Box for this. I'm going to get Salesforce for this. Here's all the pieces. But when I put it together, look at this incredible sort of option that I don't have to go with. This is sort of my my tier two. I've got a, I, too much time at Salesforce. My tier two Oracle solution, <laughs> um, something that is beaten to us for, for decades, uh, having worked here. But I just, I loved the work that we did together and it was the level of integration and it was the level of cooperation from a marketing side of how we, how do we work together and how do we really build this deep partnership? And Octa was one of my favorite companies to work with. So, I was, and I was going to ask final question on that. Did you like sit side by side with the, their marketing team? Did you meet with them? Like oh, completely. How, yeah, and like, we, we planned like? events together. And I remember we did this whole field marketing series around Box and Okta that we did all over the country. And there were probably 20 different events around the country or 30 events around the country that my head of field marketing and the Okta head of field marketing would get together. They'd plan events together. They'd plan content together. And it's everything from who is paying for this to who is writing the content, who's bringing in the the actual speaker, what does this look like? So it wasn't the the box program that the Octa person jumped in on, and it wasn't the Octa program that the box person jumped in on. It really was co-developed, co-built together. Were you officially, were your salespeople selling? And this was a different kind of partnership so because it, our salespeople weren't weren't even selling Octa products and they weren't selling box yeah, products. Yeah, yeah. So this was yeah. like a like a marketing. This is a pure marketing. Yeah. Hey, let's mm-hmm. save money. Like, yeah. let's go Dutch tree yes. on it. Yeah, I think there is, but there is something there. And I think that's where partner marketing really finds its groove mm-hmm. when you can find Find the partners that work together. So we, I also run an ISV co-marketing team mm-hmm. for very strategic co-marketing. Uh, we have about 30 partners that we do co-investment. We have mm-hmm. f- funds that we invest with these top partners because they're bringing in 
significant revenue for both Salesforce and for themselves, Mm -hmm. obviously benefiting our customers. They have thousands of customers. They've got focus in specific verticals. And I think when you find that groove of working with a specific partner that really lifts you know, the revenue way more. It's like one plus one equals three type of thing Mm -hmm. that really drives even more of that. And we have that with um, several of our partners that we're investing with. And I think we're doing the same thing. We do shared content, events, campaigns. We do uh, webinars, studio interviews and things like that, that really highlight the best of both companies. And that's what really drives, you know, there's obviously a deep trust element. Yes. But that's when, when it works, it's, you know, a true partnership. Oh, completely. And there were, I remember days of, okay, I don't have enough budget for this, but I still have goals to hit. But my partner company, they have budget, but they are not going to have the audience. So this is a time where I'm out of money. I have an audience to bring. You have money. Okay, can we use this as a way to work together? And I will yes. cover this piece if you cover this piece. Yes. And when you build these really deep relationships with key partners, you can also pick up the phone and have the candid conversation of, look, we need to do these events. I have a number to hit. I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And it's going, you know what? We've got it this quarter. But this this is where you can really position yourself as a, as a marketer to your leadership mm-hmm. team because if you're going to them, like if like let's say you you know you go to your board or you you go mm-hmm. to your team, you're like, hey, this company, company X is selling to the same exact profile people. Like it would be an interesting idea to set up a channel sales. Mm-hmm. But in the interim, why don't we take like the first date step of this of like let's do some events with them. I'll let you know how yes. it goes yeah. right. and then come back. And then it's like you're providing something to the leadership team and testing and experimenting mm-hmm. in a way that, yeah. you know, rather than just like, hey, let's jump in the water. Yep. Very good point. So if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice when you were first starting out in this role and this partner marketing ecosystem, app exchange, you know, all of this new stuff, mm-hmm. what advice would you give in yourself? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think I would say really to trust my gut more. You know, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people say like, you know, really go with what your first um, inclination is. But I think in a startup kind of mentality that we were in at the time, we I just had to trust my gut more. It's like you have to jump in. And we did. But I think if we jumped in a little faster mm-hmm. and as I look back, of course, you know, you think, oh, if I did that two months earlier, it might have been different. So I think it's just trusting your gut. You know, even now, I feel like that's something I have to always tell myself is, mm-hmm. you know, even now you kind of hear that little voice in your head and it's and it's louder now that you have experience. Yep. You kind of now know to trust that voice and because you had the experience. So I think that's one thing I would say. What about, you know, you spent kind of early days in your career working through, you know, Siebel, Oracle, then to Salesforce, mm-hmm. you were pretty dialed into to software and technology, you know, being able to find your kind of marketing path through that. Any advice for folks that are trying to build a marketing career and just kind of balance that trajectory or like what is the right path versus your own path? Hmm. I would say that, you know, for me, it was intentional, you know, for myself. I mean, I did I worked at Oracle. I did, you know, made an intentional move to go to Siebel at the time. You know, that was during the 
heyday and mm-hmm. bubble. So of course I was going to that company, but even making the move to Salesforce was very intentional. I knew that they had something every day I would log in or, you know, into my computer desktop at the time. And I would look and look at uh, salesforce.com and see what they were doing. Like how many, how many tours were they doing that month or that quarter? Yeah. And we would try to follow them. Even that Siebel system was kind of interesting in those early days. But I would say, you know, to be intentional, I think that everybody succeeds if you have some intention and purpose, mm-hmm. you know, in your career. I think some people kind of go, well, let's see what happens. But I think if you have a little bit of intent and purpose, you'll find your way very, mm-hmm. very quickly. What about what marketing technology or trend do you think will be the most influential over the next oh, few that's years? That's kind of an easy one. And I, I'm sure you've heard it so many times, but it's definitely going to be around intelligence yeah. and data, of course, you know, all, all of that's together. But personalization also mm-hmm. comes from that. Everything is going to be around intelligence. It's going to be, we may not even have a marketplace, you know, yeah. it, everything will just be pushed to you automatically yeah. based on who you are, where you are you know, what you're thinking, yeah. <laughs> it won't even be. So I think all of the uh, AI intelligence are definitely going to be game changing for every aspect of our business. So what is next for App Exchange? Over the next five years, we expect to integrate a lot of personalization and intelligence. Today, App Exchange is the enterprise cloud marketplace, leading enterprise cloud marketplace. And we want to maintain that goal, obviously. Today, we have uh, 95% of the Fortune 100 use App Exchange apps, and 88% wow. of all of our Salesforce orgs use um, App Exchange app. We have 80,000 reviews that I mentioned earlier. So I think that's a really interesting stat because that really shows the commitment of our customers in providing uh, value to their peers and to other customers. But, you know, intelligence and personalization that we were just talking about is going to be even more relevant and more integrated. We are every year, every six months, we're going through adding more intelligence, more Einstein analytics. Uh, We just launched App Exchange Marketplace Analytics. It gives a view to partners into how people are coming to view their app and how they're looking, what they're looking at on their listing. And then we also launched App Exchange App Analytics, which shows our partners how customers are adopting and consuming their app. So that's been really a big thing for our partners. And then customers, of course, with personalization, they can just log in and get the apps that they need for their business. We got to get Mission Podcast of the Day app on App Exchange. That is yes. one of my focus. 2020, Let's do it. we're going to do it. We can I fast just, track you. Yeah, I, <laughs> because I want to have, so for any anybody who asks Salesforce, I just want like it to just say, hey, episode of the day based off of your interests, good to go. It's not on there. We're going to build it. Let's do some lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing automation with Pardot. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about B2B marketing on the world's number one CRM, as you know, Leslie. Lightning round style questions. Are you ready? Yes. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? Caviar. (laughs) Ooh, that's a good one. Fun and practical. Only because I'm always hungry. And I don't know if it's fun, but it's very functional. Uh, what is your favorite vacation spot? I would say Hawaii. One of your favorite campaigns that you've done in your career? 
best campaign for me was when we first started our App Exchange marketing program and we secured quite a lot of money, over $100,000 per partner. We've got 10 partners. We did a massive campaign to really highlight the specific partners. And it was our first foray into just a marketing program. I remember this. Yeah. It was uh, very high end. Any any highlights? Um, I remember when we had we ended up getting money for partners and we ended up doing retargeting campaigns with partners and figuring out how to do that. And it was retargeting just comes out as an actual technology. And we said, what can we do? How can we use this with our partners? What can we do for co-op marketing? It was so much fun to work on. Yeah, it was fun. It was interesting because it was our first foray. Oh. Not necessarily the most successful, but it was it, we learned so much about what we could do in the future. Favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? My favorite book is Wisdom at Work, The Making of a Modern Elder by Chip Conley. I haven't read it, but that sounds pretty enticing. Yes. I like Chip Conley a lot. Chip has, uh, this is his fifth book. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he just uh, created a resort in Mexico around this opportunity. It's going to you like it and learn. Uh, I like that. You know what? I'm happy to test out the resort. I can read the book while I'm there just to see I if it so. all works together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Best advice for a first time VP of marketing. First time VP of marketing. Oh, know your purpose. That's easy. I think I tell that to everybody. Know mm -hmm. your purpose, who you are, who you are from a leadership, from a personal standpoint, but also for your organization. Last question. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Why am I still working? Why are you still working? <laughs> because I do love the culture and the people at Salesforce. I mean, the the ecosystem of customers and partners and developers is just, it's just inspiring every day. That's why I'm here. Leslie, this has been absolutely awesome. Thanks so much for having us in Salesforce Tower and hosting us and just being on the show. This has been great. Thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure uh, and this great been, to see Lauren as well. Uh, this has been so much fun. We have to do this again soon. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes, and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies 
to create unforgettable brand experiences so you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.